Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Mercer Matters podcast. My name is Ben Sharp, and my goal is to have a discussion with each of the candidates who are running for Mercer Island School Board in the fall of 2023. I have reached out to each candidate and offered to have a discussion with them. But if for some reason you don't see a candidate listed as an episode in the podcast, it is because they have declined to be interviewed. So without further ado, let's jump right into this episode. All right. Hi, everybody. Uh, This is Ben with the Mercer Matters podcast. Um, Today, I am joined by Christina Martinez, uh, who's running for position one of the Mercer Island School Board. Uh, Christina, I just want to take a minute and just say thank you um, for uh, for running and and for investing the time and energy uh, in the campaign on behalf of our community and our kids. Um, So thank you very much. Um, Also, want to thank you for joining. uh, maybe to get started, uh, if you could just introduce yourself, uh, give us a little bit about your background uh, and why you've decided to run for the Mercer Round School Board. Sure. Um, so I'm Christina Martinez. I am a physician from Mexico. I um, have been living here in Mercer Island over five years. I have been in, in the U.S. over 20 years. Uh, came to study a, a master in public health and and being devoted into what is public health and the education of communities. And that has been my passion. Um, and in Mercer Island, I, I arrived here um, a year before COVID started and started immediately getting involved in, in the district to understand how the district worked. It was a very new system for us and a new community and and. I actually loved how this community greeted us um, and was able to to get to know the community from very the, the, the small details of the community and 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 later on uh, involving the PTA and the PTA council and was able to observe the strengths of that community and the strengths of the district, but also a lot of the challenges and the things that that uh, as a parent also frustrated me. Uh, that what I want to do a little more, uh, or also I have been having the opportunity. I have had the opportunity to meet with different communities and have heard their their stories too. And I, I think that I have been involved a lot in advocacy, but my my training and my my education is is more on on looking at the core of the issues, like working upstream and. It is my time to move from an advocacy and a listening uh, portion of, of the education in my community to something that is more on the policy level upstream to make sure that, that there's more effect um, triggered through all the community. And it was, it was the time to do so. I think that I have heard so many things that um, I was, I'm just passionate about it and I love doing things for, for my community. So I'm all in. Well, awesome. Well, thank you again for, uh, for running and and for that introduction. Um, Maybe just to start, um, could you give us, you know, sort of your perspective, what is the the primary job of a Mercer Island school board member? Uh, Sure. So uh, the, the school board really is the boss of, uh, and supervises the superintendent. We, we don't micromanage, and that's something that people need to really understand. Uh, because I think it, it matters that we can maybe not change little details about the schools. We are definitely about the big picture. 
um, we will we can oversee uh, some of the, the schools and the principals through the performance that the superintendent reports to us. So uh, we we um, we work directly to the with the, the the superintendent and with his team. But pretty much it is him who well in this case uh, uh, Dr. Rundell, uh, who will we will observe and and evaluate. But we the school board also sets the vision and the mission and the strategic plan of the school district. So it is not one school board member, but it is. In this case, the five of us, uh, if I'm elected, of course, but um, the five school board members would uh, set that strategic plan and we move as a unit. We, it, it's not, uh, we have to agree and, and work together to make any little change. We also review and revise and adopt policies, current policies in the district. And um, uh, of course, we we um, oversee the budget and establish establish the budget, and also uh, we serve as representatives of the community. Um, that is also something that the community needs to understand that that it is also their job to let us know what is working and what is not. And and yesterday I had a conversation with a, a elementary parent, and I was just telling them that my kids, I have one kid in middle school and one kid in high school. And the voice of the elementary kids are even more crucial to me right now because I am not there now. So my experience is just past experience. Um, and I, I really hope that everybody takes the opportunity to reach out to their school board members and tell them uh, what works and what doesn't. Well, that's great. Thanks. That's a, a great summary. Uh, appreciate that. Um, so the board uh, is, is the boss of uh, Dr. Rundle, as you've said. I, you know, maybe next, um, the next question I have is uh, what, what are the, the top two or three most pressing issues facing the Mercer Island School District and, and sort of give us your viewpoint as the, the, the you know, someone setting the vision and, and supervising Dr. Rundle? Um, you know, what, what, what are those issues and, and, and how do you think about them? And this is interesting because I will tell you that when I, I um, filed for office, I would have not given you the same answer necessarily. Um, the first one I think is the budget and that will have been the same answer. The second one will be the facility planning um, and that would have not been my second answer in May. <laughs> I will tell it is now. Uh, mm -hmm. But budget, it is the biggest challenge that the district has. Only because um, everything revolves about the budget. Like we cannot do a lot of things without having budget, and I don't think that necessarily is. Um, it is not necessarily all about managing and how the superintendent um, manage the economics. It is also how uh, the budget is formulated from the state level. So we have a tough situation because we do receive a certain portion of um, um, the funding is, is, a, is a formula called uh, the prototypical model that we receive a certain amount of money based on a formula that each student needs and our enrollment. So it, it gets complicated because it, it is also a little outdated the needs of the students, and this is true for our district and the, all districts in the state, but the needs of the students are higher than what the formula of the state says. Uh, so we are under, underfunded. 
and that's kind of the biggest challenge where the co- the money comes from from the start then it comes of course what happens when the money once the money is in the district and 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 you have heard um, for example the enrollment uh, yes, we do depend on the enrollment, but there's also another factor that is really crucial. That, for example, in high school, you can have uh, you can take classes in um, in college or in pivot or in different online courses that fit better the needs of those students. But if there's certain amount of percentage of classes that they take offline, those students are not considered a full-time student. So we don't get the full timing of those students. However, they do receive all the services from the district. So I know that there's um, from the different um, advocacy levels from the, the, the superintendent um, group and also the school boards talking to legislators to see if at school levels it will be counted more as as um, headcount instead of full-time students because it does make a difference on how much budget we receive or not. And and if we're serving the, the complete needs of the, the students that we have in the district. So that, that is the biggest um, issue. <laughs> I think that everything so, goes so that's, to that. Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think that's fair to say that that's front and center on, on both the superintendent's mind and then I think our, you know, throughout the community. Um, you know, with, with respect to budget, so, you know, clearly, you know, you mentioned the enrollment issues. Um, you know, there's a decline in, in enrollment over the past mm-hmm. 10 years. Um, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, you mentioned that, yes, uh, you know, in your opinion that the, the schools are underfunded, um, and that, you know, that's, that's sort of a state level decision. Um, and, and yes, there are some nuances, um, you know, the part-time full-time and all those things. I'm sort of, I, I wonder as the, as a school board director, um, what are, you know, what do you do about that, right? What are some of your ideas to address the, the shortfalls in funding um, in order to, to sort of make those approve, improvements and, and right the ship from a budget perspective? I think that um, there, there's two. Uh, one is the one that I have mentioned is some of the advocacy. And advocacy is not only, and I put the, that example uh, of the full-time students on the headcount um, but also it will be like really advocate for full funding of special education. And that is, that is a shortfall that we are, we know that we are 2 million short on what the state should give us. And, and that is something that, that in all areas we have to really um, advocate. But uh, as a school board director, I think that also we need to understand that I do understand that demographics are, 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 going down that's that's a fact but also i also know that there's students that are, do not co- go in, in in our district that they do choose um, uh, private schools and i mm-hmm. think it's, it's worth to explore who and which are the schools who are attracting the most students and what are they looking what, what is the thing that that the parents are looking for if it's, I know that there's some very innovative schools that are including more technology or some STEM or more science courses, or maybe mm-hmm. it's the arts. If it's something that is not within the, the public um, uh, 
education, that it is it has to do more on religion education, that's nothing that we can do about. But the other portion, right. we absolutely can do something. So we can, I know that the, the school boards also do go on tours of different schools and, and are able to go and explore um, what, it, what works in other communities and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same with the districts that our neighbors that what is what is not working for them that we might uh, are maybe following same steps and say like well this is the time to stop and maybe reinvent some of those areas. Um, I know that that arts have been had been cut in elementary some of the arts and music programs, and and I, for me that's that's crucial in in helping the minds of the kids to be flexible. I think in a, in a way to connect the, the right and, and and left brain. And, and help them be better critical thinkers. And um, that, that is something that I care dear. Um, so, so trying to see what works in other schools, what doesn't. And I do also understand that we have a shortfall of, of uh, budget, but trying to look outside the box, see if it's through different grant programs or, or innovation of, of different agencies around or th- through the school foundation, look for something that we can mm-hmm. we can find for the schools. I, I know that it's not necessarily going to solve the the state level issue, and I think that that's at the end that's that's what we can dream of. But mm-hmm. in in our district, I think that there's a lot we can do, and we have a such a great community of parents with so many resources and ideas that that we should tap into those ideas too, and 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 connections, and see if if what we can bring to the district, where it's realistic to bring in, and that is also is sustainable. I think that also it is important to to bring uh, some of those programs sustainable for generations to come. That's great. No, I I, I love that. Um, you know, tapping into the yeah, I mean, there's just a, a wealth of resources that surround us. So I, I love that. I'm curious, you know, as I've talked to each of the candidates, you know, it seems to me that there's sort of the spectrum from, you know, with regards to the enrollment decline of, you know, it's demographics and, you know, there's sort of nothing we can do about it to, you know, people are leaving because of X, Y, or Z. And, and that's sort of the sole issue. You know, how, how do you think about that? How do you characterize the enrollment issue from your perspective? That, yeah, I, I so um, I think I have a very unique perspective in the sense that um, I have been in different different pockets, different. Uh, I have had different experiences. So I know that the, the, the demographics are declining because I uh, do after COVID, I did work in a preschool so I could balance a little bit. Uh, my my work from home and and being able to connect with other people and I love children and the reality is that if you ask uh, around the the island the declining of children enrolled in preschool is alarming that they are closing cl- classrooms so it is in our community we do have less kids and three and under four and under that that it is a fact. And you can ask the Marcel and Preschool Association for numbers on, on those, but but there are schools that are closing classrooms because there's no enough enrollment. So I also know that having been a parent that I have had the experience of private school with one of my kids in, in, in elementary and being in the public, there is sometimes something that we look in different schools. So sometimes... It aligns better with your family values or something. There's something that that child needs. If the public school district is not serving it, then as a parent, you actually try to look if that is the right, if there's another option for your kid. 
And and I think that that's that's where where we should focus exactly those families who have had the same experience saying like I don't feel listened or maybe I cannot change mm-hmm. this or what is not working that that this other school might work or not and see if we can bring those programs to the to the district and and also I think that I, I know that some international parents uh, I hear them because I, I think it is the same way that that maybe I feel. Um, so maybe sometimes it is not rigorous enough the the curriculum, mm-hmm. and and uh, that is a value in in a lot of communities, and they're looking for schools that have more rigorous so, so more rigor in in some of the the classes. So it is so we have to balance because we do have to make sure that it fits all students and and the majority. And if we're talking about a curve, we have to to make sure that it fits eighty percent of the district. But also those little pockets, the, the, the zero to 10 and the 80 to 100 mm-hmm. do need to have their, their, their needs served. So um, we need to make sure that we don't forget any of the students and see which resources we have to bring to the district to make sure that, that we include everybody and, and also understand that we all have to be, make compromises. And it's like in a house, like in a family, sometimes one will have to make a compromise for the well-being of everybody. But at the end, we all carry each other up to make sure that everybody succeeds. Nobody can be left out. And and I think that that's how we have to work together. Great. So it sounds like you're you're saying it's a, it's a combination of many factors and, and somewhere in the middle lies lies what's going on. Um, which which, you know, I think that's a very, you know, reasonable approach. Um but that means that I, we also I, have to address everything. I will tell you, like this is this is except demographic that uh, that's something that that it is. Uh, so the district cannot promote <laughs> parents who have more children. <laughs> they could. <laughs> but, uh, it's it's uh, um, it is definitely something that that the other factors. I think that we have to look into them, and 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 it is our responsibility to, to at least do our research. Yeah, to- totally makes sense. Um, so. I wanted to pivot next, uh, you know, setting the stage from a enrollment perspective and, and you identified the budget as, as sort of the number one issue. The number two issue that you mentioned was sort of the facility planning and, and the impact of the, of the enrollment uh, decline on our facilities. Would you mind just spending a little bit of time just framing the, the facility planning and kind of where we are, you know, for those who are listening who haven't been following along closely, or maybe they don't have kids, so they're not you know paying as close of attention. But could you just kind of frame from your perspective, you know, what's on the table right now and what the issues are with respect to our facilities, and then you know what you would do about it as uh, you know as director, um, you know, should you be elected? The facility planning is something that the board is required to to. The school has to have a, a, a long-term facility plan period. And at this moment, we are in a very crucial moment because if we do not do anything, we will be fined by the state because there are new environmental laws in buildings that will start taking effect um, and we will be fined. So we do have to come with a plan regardless of um, which route we go. And at the same time, we know that our infrastructure is an old one and it's updating. And that will that, that is also an opportunity to bring resources and, and facilities that are 
top-notch in technology if we can, if we can dream to, um, to make sure that, that, that the kids have um, great learning opportunities. But pretty much uh, what is happening right now is that we have to come with a, a, a facility plan and to make sure that, that although it's a 10, 15-year facility plan, the reality is that we're investing a lot of money and it has to serve the next, the next generation of kids, the next 20, 30 years at least in terms of, of all the students that will go through this, the, the school district. And uh, the, the district has been... Um, Doing this before COVID, they started a committee to analyze the, the uh, what were the best options to, to proceed. Then they ha- they had to stop during COVID, and then after COVID, they kind of pick it up again and and started their their committee work with the new realities that um, we do have lower enrollment. It was it is what it is right now, and I think it's stable, but. The demographics and the studies show that it will we will not have a big increase just because of how things are changing in the region. Um, but even if we do get more students, we do have to be prepared to have better buildings and do this, this facility plan. So at this moment is what are, what are the next steps and what are we going to do? So the, the committee came with uh, different options. And within one of the options, and I think that this is the, the why I think it's a, one of the biggest issues right now, because it's what is being, is being heard in the community. And I think that there's a little um, anxiety going on around that maybe there's one elementary will need to be closed and, and consolidated and we will only end up with three elementaries at the school district. Um, that is a possibility uh, that the committee came in. And then the other, it was just to remain with the four elementaries and, and update a middle school and high school or um, the Crest Center at the high school, which is um, an alternative program that the high school has for, for students that need that alternative program. Um, so that's a conversation that is happening now. Uh, after that committee, I think that the information came out and the district has been having different forums in the community to listen to the voices of the community and see what are their values and what they that what they care most in order to proceed in any in any plan. And and I think that that's exactly where we are at this point. That the school district have heard the committee and have heard the voices of, of the community. And I think it's this week, if I'm correct maybe it's today or tomorrow that the board will have a special session to talk some things about um, if of the consolidation or the different plans after hearing all the voices of the community. And they will uh, update something this, this Thursday and uh, we'll have to wait to see what this current board um, will decide on this meeting so that the next board will, will pick up um, uh, as it's formed in January, I think it's when. Right. Yes. So, and in terms of my <laughs> preference, I will yeah. say that, yes, um, this is, uh, and I know the conversation has been revolving around closing Island Park, <laughs> um, but I will say that consolidation also, I think it's, we have to take Island Park out of the equation. And think that I wish that every single community and every elementary will will talk, imagining that it was their school that is closing, um, 
and and to make to have broader representation of the voices that we have heard. Uh, I have heard that parents do like poor elementary schools, and I think that they like it before because of the same reasons that I like smaller schools. Um, it is because there there there's a community aspect and it's a little more intimate, and especially in this young age, that it is you need. A little more protection of of kind of how you feel in the world, and elementary schools, smaller elementary schools, it is easier that you know every kid. It is no, it is it is it is easy not to feel lost when you when when people know who you are and what are your needs, and that's how I feel about it. I, I am also an um, past Thailand Park parent. <laughs> So uh, I will say that I love that community and value very much what have brought to my my kid security. I think that that my 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 um, my youngest one feels very independent because of the ability to bike by by um, herself in third grade, and and that's something that I can, I can, I would have not been able to do if we would have been in a different uh, neighborhood. Um, so I do have that in my values and I love that. I, I will say that I, I see consolidation as an option as if at any point we sacrifice by having smaller schools, we end up sacrificing a lot, the quality of the education. And I think that that's something that we have to understand that, that it is for us super important to follow the values of the school district and and that we have one of the biggest one is is that we have to to make sure that there's quality education of the kids that, that they will have an outstanding education so as long as we do not compromise that by having smaller schools and no understanding what are the traits of of having smaller schools than not i am 100% for it and i will say that for example i know that lake ridge has combined classrooms, and that is one of the trade-offs. Some schools might have mm-hmm. uh, combined classrooms, and and that's a reality. I am okay with that because I grew up and I had combined classrooms when I was growing up, and I think those were my best years. But that's my personal opinion and my life, and that doesn't apply to every single kid. So I think that the parents need to know their kids and know what the trade-offs are with each situation. And the advantage that I have is that my youngest one will be in senior year in high school when construction starts. So I will be a hundred percent listening to the voices of the community and that it will be and it not it will not be for my personal benefit. It will be for sure. the community. And that's I think an advantage in this controversial um, topic. I can be neutral and, and objectively, and that's my plan. Great. So I, I'm curious, you know, uh, the economics of operating four schools versus three schools, given the, the sort of budget uh, conditions we have now, can we afford to operate four schools in, in your view? What are, what are the economics of that? And I think this, this is something that, that the school board is presenting. I think that right now there's some saving. Uh, it is close to... Um, 800,000 a year that will be saved. For some, it's not much enough. For some, it is enough that we're building reserves. 
But I think it really depends on how the schools keep shifting and, and, and how much I think that, that also it's tied back to the enrollment. If we can, we can bring um, a very attractive curriculum, I'm sure that a lot of parents will come back. And I also know that, that in some parents that left during COVID, they're coming back after the cycle is closed. So those who left in elementary, there's a spike in sixth grade and there's a spike in ninth grade. And there's even one in 11 and 12. And I think that it is because Marcellin also has, has a reputation of being uh, um, uh, good, have good students and graduates, and, and they do want their the name in the title. So so I think that, that we're coming back slowly. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that, that at least at the elementary level, we can find a trade-off or find a solution that even if it's remodel or something, that it will be enough to to bring uh, have the the right resources in the schools to serve every student, and we will have a quality of education. Uh, I know that Dr. Rumble, Rundle, um did mention that that for example, having three schools will allow some of the um, the par the the programs in the district that support different needs to be fully functional in each school compared to what it is now that it's, it has to be divided between the, 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 the staff that might have to do English as a second language and supervise two schools. And this will be a different situation. So because you will have full-time staff in one school that will, will and will have the designated area to do so. So I think that we do have to be very careful and analyze the trade-offs and, and, and not only the convenience and I'm willing to do that. I think that that um, I love small communities, and I love what they gave to my kids. But I will be, I wouldn't be willing to sacrifice some of the education portion as a parent. So uh, I do expect that that everybody does their homework too and see where the trade-offs and have a, a, a and and request a real list to the district um, because I think that. that the list that it was provided during the presentations was a little short on, on what will be the, the, the real trace-off and, and what we'll have to compromise. What are we willing to compromise? We all have to do compromises. So what are we willing to do? Well, great. Thanks thanks for your perspective on that. I, I appreciate it and for being forthright about it. Um, I, I, you know, we spent quite a bit of time talking through, you know, very real issues that are facing the district. To, to kind of finish out our discussion, uh, I was hoping to kind of end on a positive note here. And I just want to ask you, you know, what are the, what's the biggest opportunity that we have as a community for our kids um, that we're not adequately taking advantage of today? I, I will go maybe to academics because I, I think there's such a, a fast world out there and is 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 moving fast and faster than than probably we all want but i i think that there's there's some such innovative learning techniques and and opportunities that that we should embrace those and and bring some of this innovation to the schools and and show the kids how to work uh, as a team and collaborative in in any area i think that there is also a way to expand their mind. And I, and I, I put like a, a reference. The other day I went to this uh, presentation that it was at the Royal Hall uh, about the National Geographic. And they were talking about the beginning of life and, and some ar- archaeological discoveries. And it was actually fascinating how 
this project about discovering new bones in a different area of the world came together on bringing such great advanced and scientific discoveries. They brought artificial intelligence, they brought robotics, they brought history, they all these um, different areas and, uh, and, and um, together in, in, a, in such an amazing way, saying like how I, I would love that the district will have these this opportunities for kids, having a project thing, a project-based education in, in, and bring them from with different and new, new technologies, new scientific discoveries. Uh, and we have such a richness in the area that I think that, that we could tap into some of that area that um, and, and make the curious mind of the children uh, kind of like they not only th- critical thinkers. I think that they, I, I would love that, that the, every single kid in the district will, will be so excited to go to school just because of to make it fun in that way and, 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 and that is interesting for them to learn. Well, awesome. Well, uh, Christina, thank you very much for, uh, for joining and having this discussion with me. Um, again, thank you for, for running and putting in the time and the effort uh, to do so um, on behalf of our community. If people want to learn more about you, where can they go to, to get that information? I think I, I have some information in my website. And I will say that, that um, to write me an email or call me, uh, I will be very happy to, to meet with anybody. I, I, and if you see me in the community, don't hesitate to stop and, and, and ask for my contact information. Or, or if I have time, I will be happy to, to reach out to you. And I will keep uh, trying to post things in, in the website for those questions that come often. But I, I will say that I like and, and what I like the most is, is hearing from the community. And I love to learn. I love research. So I will, whenever, if you post me a question, I will not uh, just leave it there. I will definitely look for the answers. And, and you have to come back to me and ask, like, do you have an answer for me? Because I probably will. I do like asking questions. So that will be the best way to reach me, probably. Well, great. Well, thank you, for Christina, for joining again. And uh, just want to wish you the best of luck uh, in your candidacy and remind everybody to, uh, to get out and vote. Thank you. Thank you. And I, right. I appreciate everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Christina. Bye-bye. Thank you.